Today, we're about something so exciting, aren't we, in what we've seen there. There's that, I don't know about you, but, and actually it was spoken out in some of the words about mission, the call to mission, the sense of the mission that we're, we're, we're invited to be part of. But there's some lovely little phrases in the little statements that are read there about choice as well. And the big word I've got to think about today is the word chosen. Because what we saw today, what we heard in the stories and the testimonies earlier, are quite amazing. Because what these guys are saying is they're saying, we are into a new, not just season of our life, an adventure where we are fulfilling the mission of this loving, incredible God to make a difference. Now, um, when, when, when you read it in Romans, it says that they die. It says that these verses here, it says, we therefore are buried with him through baptism. So it's like burying those things in baptism into death in order that just as Christ is raised from the dead through the glory, we may live a new life. There is a new mandate, not just on these four, but I believe when we witness a baptism every time, every time I see it, it's like a new mandate on my life. It's like a new reminder of all that Jesus has done in my life. So what am I going to do about it? The two big questions that everybody is facing these days are this. The two crucial questions that we need to find an answer to is this. Firstly, who am I? And secondly, why am I here? They are the two questions that every single human being has to come to some place on. Who am I? My identity. And um, why am I here? My purpose. And I believe the Bible has answers to the questions of life. I really do. It's so exciting when I hear Soraya saying, I've read it four times. That is a chance to all of us because she really believes the Bible has the answers for life, the real stuff of life. And these two verses here, which we're going to focus in on, they, I think, come to the core, uh, hopefully to encourage the four who were baptised, but I encourage you to listen in as well. Because I think these are things that will engage us and remind us of why we believe and follow what we do. Firstly, this thing of who am I, identity. And it starts with a but you. You always have to watch out in these verses, in these letters, when there's a but in there, be careful, or a that. So we're looking at a but and a that. Don't take that in the wrong way. So, but you, okay? But you. Because what it means is that Peter's referring back to things he's already talked about. Right at the beginning of 1 Peter, this letter, he writes to a bunch of disparate people scattered everywhere. It says, you are elect people that God has chosen. You are a scattered bunch of people, as it says in uh, 1 Peter uh, uh, chapter 1. You are scattered, but you have been chosen. You are seemingly insignificant. You are just, if you like, the dregs almost. That's how you feel, but you are chosen. Now, for many of us who come here today, maybe for ourselves, when you see that, 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 that statement, maybe we think, well, I relate to that. I actually feel that in my family, maybe. Maybe in my office, maybe in my community, maybe around the place. I feel like it when I read the news. I think, well, I feel like I'm insignificant. To be a follower of Jesus can feel sometimes like that in our culture, in our society. And we can feel that. Peter speaks directly into that. He says, you feel like, as one of our, when I was chatting um, uh, during this week about it, sometimes to be a follower of Christ, you feel different. You feel different from those around us. I was chatting uh, to somebody uh, the other day, and they were just saying they went along to they were they, they went along to a thing that they normally used to go along to in the past. It was a weekend away with the lads on a tour, 
And they said they felt like, for the first time almost, like, it's different. I feel different. I don't want to do the stuff that everybody else is doing. If you're a follower of Christ, it will be different. You will feel like a stranger, an alien. That's what Peter's saying here. But remind yourself of who you are. Remind yourself of who you are. Because you're going to have ups and downs, you guys. And all of us have ups and downs. But we have to come back and say, who am I? What is my true identity? Because if it's found in other people, if it's found even in ourselves, it will, it will lead to disaster. It will inevitably, your feelings will go up and down. You need to say, who am I? Peter here is reminding us who we really are. But you, he's saying, but you are a chosen people. You are precious. You are living. You are, in, you are significant people. And you need to realize this God who truly, truly loves you. See, one of the things that really struck me, and it really hit me actually, even when we were praying with people, is why is it that we are loved by God? Why does he choose us? Does he choose us because we're cool like Tom Cruise? Does he call us, choose us because of our background? Does he choose us because we know more than anybody else? No, this is the most incredible thing about the chosenness, the chosen race. He chooses because he loves us. Purely because he loves us. He loves us purely because of that. There's a beautiful, beautiful verse in Deuteronomy. It says this, The Lord did not set his affection on you. He's talking about the people of Israel on you. And choose you because you were more numerous than other people's. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because the Lord loved you. Because he just loves us. He just purely and simply loves you. And maybe someone here today needs to be reminded, God just loves you for you. He loves you for who you are, for how you look, for whatever your background. He loves you. And this is such a contrast, isn't it? Even from, 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 from that, this is where the illustration starts to fall down with what I show you. He's chosen because he's particularly cool. He's been successful. He's chosen again for the mission. Or when you're in the school playground, for me, it was always when I was younger uh, uh, in the school playground and, you know, lined up before a game of football or cricket or netball, whatever it might be, and you're, 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 you're lined up there. And for me, I'd always end up being one of the last ones. And I ended up being in goal. I was always in goal because I was tall. You know, I didn't think I was faintly. But it was so easily, that's how we view choice, don't we? We look at chosenness and we hear that word chosen. I haven't been chosen or I've been not been good enough to, to get that promotion. I haven't been. You know, we, we immediately go to that. We need to be reminded that we are a chosen people. And we're chosen on the basis that God simply loves us. I watched uh, the rugby last night, a bit of the rugby with... Tonga against Ireland. And the Irish, in the end, beat them quite easily. The Tongans, fantastic. I love watching the, the smaller teams do, do the best they can against some of the bigger established teams. But it reminded me of a story about a guy called Johnny Lingo. Johnny was a wealthy, young, Polynesian entrepreneur on the island of Nurabi uh, and uh, out in the sort of Polynesian Tongan area. He was in love with Mahana, who lived on the island of Kiriwadi. Objectively speaking... Mahana's looks could at best be described as plain. So her father was delighted. She'd found a suitor to marry her. The tradition on Kiriwadi stated that a man had to bargain for his future wife with his potential father-in-law by offering cows. The usual price for a bride was four cows. The most beautiful young ladies went for six cows. Okay. Sam 
um, Sam Carrad, Mahana's father, who needs a good talking to, had decided to ask for two cows, but were willing to settle for one. He needs a talking to. On the day of trading, though, the two respective families gathered around in anticipation. They were astonished when Johnny Lingo arrived and offered eight cows for Mahana. Come on. Come on, Johnny. They wonder why a smart trader would waste so many cows so unnecessarily. But six months later, they discovered the reason. Mahana had become the most beautiful woman in all the islands because she was thriving. She was loved. She knew that she was valued. She'd been given value and she blossomed. We need to remind ourselves we have been chosen purely. We are eight cow saints. If we don't believe that, we need to know that. We are eight cow saints. We have been bought because we are beautifully, wonderfully valued. We are a chosen people. And we should be blessed by that. You know, Jesus paid the same price for you as he paid for me. The same price he paid for St. Paul. The same price he paid for Billy Graham. The same price he paid for all those people you look around when you go into church and think, they must be more loved than me. It's not like that. That's not in God's economy. You are chosen and you are loved. And that is a precious thing. And we are the same in his sight. And we're fully loved and valued because it says here, these beautiful words, which you need to hear the four who made those statements, but also all of us need to be reminded of this. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. That means we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. We have access to the King every day. When you open your Bible, when you spend a bit of time just before you go into the, into the um, ICU, wherever, when you're a student, however you are approaching things, you are loved. And you go into the King of Kings, the one who owns the universe, the one who has the biggest credit bank out there of love and interest. A royal priesthood. Then it goes on. It goes on. He says, I can't say enough of this. A holy nation. You are called to a purity. We talked about the generation. Into this generation, which is appalling. The stuff we are, we are seeing around us. We are, we, are, we are just cringingly, cringingly becoming just sick and ill in so many ways. And he's calling for a purity. A challenge to a church, which in many ways has not been pure. We have not sought to be pure. He's calling us to be a holy people that have something that is actually worth sharing with the world. Because the problem is for the church in many ways, we are not seeking to be a, a holy nation. We are being no different to anybody else. And so we just go with what everybody else is doing and we take it on ourselves. We are called to be different. We are called to be that royal priesthood, that holy nation. We are God's special possession. So who am I? For those four who were baptised, but also for us, who am I? What is my identity? When the things go up and down, when things go appalling, we don't boast in it. We don't go around saying, hello, I'm chosen. Did you know that? We don't do that. We're not boastful because, as it says here in the next part of it, when you dig into it, it says, the reason why I'm able to do this is because, because once you were not a people, but now you are people, once you had received mercy, it's just purely the mercy of God. We don't boast in it, but we humbly say, you know what? I know, I know that I know that I'm chosen and loved by God and valued. And that is enough. I don't need to get my value from anybody else or anything else. 
and we can walk in that identity. So I just encourage us to consider this again. Know who you are in Christ. Secondly, why am I here? What's my purpose? And I will come into land in a moment because I'm aware. But verse 9, it just goes on to say, why am I here? And this is the word that. So we've had the but you and then it says that. We've been chosen. We've been set apart. We've been shown the wonderful things of Jesus that have been talked about that have shifted and changed these guys' lives. Uh, and they are different because of it. We have done it for this, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We exist to be proclaimers, I'm afraid. That's what we're called to be, the proclaimers, not the band. But we've been called to be the proclaimers in, as it says later on, in word, for example, we're called to say something. From time to time, we have to say something. You know, I'm not good enough in my life, in my deeds, for people to go. I haven't had many people run up to me and say, hey, Andy, how do I become a Christian? Because I'm just not that pure enough. So at some point, Peter says, he says, at some point, you have to say something sometime. Always be prepared to give an answer. But he does say, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. There's something about Christians that should be so exciting and so amazing that people can't not but say, I want to be part of that. I love reading a letter from a a guy in the um, uh, early church in the second century, a guy called Diognetus. And it's like when he writes this thing, he can't believe how amazing these Christians are and why they are, given the fact they're all being killed. He says this, they love all people and by all people are persecuted. They are unknown and still they are condemned. They, put, they are put to death and yet they're brought to life. They are poor and yet they make many rich. They are completely destitute and yet they enjoy complete abundance. They are reviled and yet they bless. When they are affronted, they still pay due respect. Christians dwell in the world, but they are not of the world. And within three centuries, we know the bedraggled disciples suddenly, aren't they, are transforming an entire empire. If they did it then, can they not do it now? Could it not be with a small bunch of bedraggled people that call themselves followers of Jesus in our nation that seems such a low number? Can they not change a nation? And it starts with ordinary people. It starts with people like the guys who stood up and said what they said, saying, yes, I follow Jesus. And I trust Jesus to know that he values me, he loves me, and that gives me a purpose for my life. Whatever he calls you into, whatever role he calls you into, you are called to declare the things of God in those places and be followers for him. And I would say finally, really, as Christians, what are we primarily known for? I love the way it says, what do we do? We don't declare how appalling the world is. We don't declare how sad it is that all, every, everything is around the world. What, we, what we're called to do, it says, that you may declare, it says, declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. He's calling us into to, to, to engaging positively, bringing Jesus right into the midst of seemingly dark places. And we think about that when we walk into work. Or when we walk into the streets, like we started doing on Saturday morning, walk around the place, we're declaring the praise of him. We're saying, come to know this Jesus. He values you more than anything else. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to ride that car. Just follow him. Know him. My son's getting ordained uh, this evening uh, into the Church of England. 
And uh, so he's got, there's a little service over in Whitney. And uh, we're going to go along to it and, and whatever it's going to be. But one of the most exciting bits, he's got eight of his rowing mates. He's my six foot six son. And, and he's got eight of his rowing mates, all of whom do have, yeah, are pretty pagan, to be fair, to use that term. They, 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 they do partying pretty big. But he's been involved with them for a couple of years, and all eight of them are coming along. And one of them recently, he, started, he said, I'd like to read the Bible with you. And, you know, just Chris in his own little way became a light in that place, just simply being in there. But it started to draw people by his life, by the things he didn't do what everybody else was doing. And he operated in a different way. It started to draw them in. The challenge is to fulfill what God is calling us to do. What are we known for? What are you known for? In your office? What are you known for in your staff room? What are you known for in your college? What are you known for on your street? Are you known as a person who declares the presence of Jesus? Or are you known as the one who's known for other things? So, who am I? What is my identity? And then, what is my purpose? My purpose is to share what I know. What a mission we have. And you know, the wonderful thing is, as we we realised that illustration of Mission Impossible was terrible that moment where it said, if everything goes wrong, your boss will disavow you. He won't even know you existed. That is so the opposite of God. Because even when it goes wrong, even when things go down, he will never disavow you. He will never disavow you. He will never dump you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will hold you. So this is amazing good news. Today has been such a good news day. Thank you so much. for Many of you have travelled long distances to be here. And we bless you and we thank you so much. But I think we've witnessed something amazing today. I actually think today's been really significant uh, to, to do this and to be a part of this today. Something's going to really happen exciting from this. Two people I want to address this to at the beginning. Firstly, if you don't yet know this Jesus, you've got to get to know him. You've got to get to know him. He loves you so much and you're missing out. Wouldn't you want to be in a situation where you can be with the King of Kings? You want to spend time with him. That he loves you purely and simply for who you are, not what you do. We're crying out for that. If that's you, love to know you more. The Alpha course, as I mentioned earlier, is a course to find out the answers to the questions of life. I've got some of these little booklets called Why Jesus at the back. Please take one of these. Please take one of those and read it and find out about relationship with this Jesus who loves you and has chosen you. Secondly, any of you know Jesus, if a baptism service doesn't enable you to rededicate yourself, then what, what else do we have to put on? You know, we filled up the pool. We've done a lot of work. At least go away thinking, right, I rededicate myself to you, Lord Jesus. I rededicate myself to you. Let's come. Let's do business. Because mission impossible it's not impossible with God. Mission possible. Let's just stand.